Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Sushi Club podcast. I'm your host, Wun Tan, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Lubna Zaro. Hi, the Action Accelerator in the house. So today, well, the Entrepreneur's Sushi Club is a weekly podcast where we give you insights into the personality of successful sushi-adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business without the hustle and grinding. So today, we've got Barbara Shelton. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Hi, Lubna. I will. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our talk. You. So when we get started in this podcast, one of our first questions is, let's just jump straight into sushi, right? So how did you get involved in loving sushi? Well, they opened up a fabulous new restaurant here in Arnhem and it was called Koi and friends of mine took me there. I had never heard of sushi before and it was just, you didn't want to stop eating. It was all you can eat sushi and both the sushi and also the warm dishes, one was even better than the other and then just, you get greedy, you know, when everything tastes so good and you want this, you want that, you want this and that and that and that and you cannot stop. <laughs> so that was my first experience with sushi and uh, I never stopped since. Ooh. Wow. So we love to share our sushi experience in our podcast. And so, you know, when I first had sushi, it wasn't a new thing for me. I saw many sushi shops and sushi restaurants in Malaysia. So I'm actually from Malaysia, but it was actually an all-you-can-eat sushi that really transformed my experience with sushi because there was so much salmon. I was just in abundance. I loved that salmon fish. And I think all-you-can-eat is dangerous for sushi. Yes, very dangerous. <laughs> it's extremely dangerous. Unfortunately, in most of the sushi restaurants here in the Netherlands, it is all you can eat. Those are the most favorite places for people to go and have sushi. It's oh, either that, know that or all you can eat Chinese. So wok and that type of thing. So yes. really, really very interesting to see. So Barbara, we know you're a sushi adoring entrepreneur. You're also a transformational coach, a speaker and an author. And what I really find very fascinating is that you specialize in helping people who feel they don't fit in. Can you share a little bit more about that? Because I thought when I came up with the idea for the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast that I would be the only one in the world that combines entrepreneurship and sushi. Mm. Yes, I can totally relate to that. You know, that's what I had for the longest time in my life. I always felt weird and I felt strange. And there was actually a time in my life when I seriously considered that there might actually be something wrong with me because mm. nobody seemed to be like me and think like me and value the same things as I do and have the same norms and values and the same work ethic. So I felt weird and strange and I felt like I didn't fit in and I was also running into problems of not being accepted, not finding friends, constantly being alone and I felt very lonely and very sad most of the time and it wasn't until I discovered that I am a highly sensitive person that the first piece of the puzzle into who am I as a person started to make sense and I discovered that I'm not weird I'm not strange I'm just a highly sensitive person and there are more highly sensitive people out there yeah, about 20% of the population is highly sensitive so that was the first part but even within the highly sensitive community I'm still weird <laughs> I'm still strange. 
And then I discovered that I'm also a high sensation seeker. So that means that I have one foot on the gas pedal and one foot on the brake. And sometimes things are going too slow and then I want to do more and I pull in more. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, this is too much. And then I brake. And then you think, oh, okay. I can breathe again. But then if that takes too long, you get bored again. And it's constantly switching between those things. That is the reality of my life. And then I also found out that I am not an introverted, highly sensitive person, but I'm an extroverted, highly sensitive person. So I love connecting. I love talking. I love going dancing. I love going out. I love going to the concerts, to the movie theaters, those kinds of things. So only 70% is introverted, but 30% is extroverted. And if you then combine all these things, I also discovered that I am highly gifted. So I already knew I'm very smart without wanting to brag, but I'm just very, very smart. And I also discovered that I am a multi-potentialite and you briefly spoke about it in our introduction, you are multi-passionate. And I think that's the same thing. Yeah. As highly sensitive people, we are very good at very many things. We have very many interests also. And then it's also hard to focus. So we tend to start on a lot of things, but finishing them, that can be a challenge. And then when you learn about all these little puzzle pieces, Then you discover the whole unique print of what makes me myself. And that was essential for me to discover in order to finally create a life for myself that I love to live. I love the life that I want to have. And also in creating my business and helping other people go through the same process and discovering themselves. And instead of wanting to get rid of their sensitivity or being ashamed of who they are or feeling constantly exhausted and overwhelmed, helping them to accept who they are, to embrace their weird and their strangeness, and then to just use all those talents that you naturally got to create a life and preferably a business for yourself that just makes your heart sing. Yeah, I really love that. And for those people that are listening right now and thinking, I've heard highly sensitive people or a HSP before, but I really don't know what it really is. What is it? What is a highly sensitive person? How do you know if you're a highly sensitive person? Well, that is a very good question. I didn't know until I was 32. And that's the sad reality for a lot of highly sensitive people. They don't know that they are. They just feel weird and strange. That's why I now also call myself a transformation coach for intuitive ambitious aliens instead of a high sensitivity coach because if the word doesn't mean anything to you, you will not recognize yourself in it. But basically what it means is that we get much more information than a normal person. So what I always say is our sensory antenna just picks up more so we literally hear more see more smell more taste more experience more so if you pull that back towards sushi it's not just eating it's also the way it feels on your tongue the way it smells eating with the sticks preferably in good company and then in a nice restaurant it's a full body experience with all your senses And you get all that information in, but then also we process it much quicker Mm -hmm. and on a much deeper level. 
So that means that if you are in an environment where there are a lot of sensory stimuli, so that can be a sushi restaurant, then you can also become overwhelmed and overstimulated very fast. And it takes you much longer to get out of that, to process everything that there is because you not only taste the food and talk with the people that you're with, you also hear the 40, 50 other people that are there and the waiters and the noise from the kitchen and the ceiling ventilator and the background music and you smell everybody's perfume and everybody's food and it can become too much if you don't know how to handle that really well. Yeah, that's very interesting. So for someone who might be thinking, oh, maybe that's me, you know, like what are some of the typical challenges of a highly sensitive purple? That's also a very excellent question. I wanted to state that I do have an HSP quiz on my website. It's free. So everybody that's listening, that's not sure if they are a highly sensitive person or they want to check it, you can either do the quiz, but I also have a free checklist. So you can also download that one for free and check for yourself or for somebody else. But things that are common for highly sensitive people is we have a very big sense of justice. So whenever we perceive something as to be unjust or unfair, that's something that's really difficult for us. Like hearing that people tied their dog to a tree because they were too lazy to find it a home when they went on holiday, for instance. That's just, it's so unjust that you just, your skin crawls. That's one of the things. But also we have trouble with violence. So I never watch news anymore. I don't watch news. I don't read newspapers. I don't watch violent movies and that sort of things because you also experience the emotions and the energies that you see. And we are image thinkers. So when you see a news event like an airplane going down and you see all the people that are crying because they lost someone they loved in that plane, it affects us on a very deep level, but you're not able to do anything with it. So highly sensitive people take over other people's energies and emotions like they are their own. But if you then not can make a difference in their lives, you cannot comfort them or you cannot support them, then you're stuck with all these emotions. And usually we don't know how to let them go. Mm. They just keep stuck. And if that happens a lot, then you can imagine that you can become overstimulated and exhausted very easily. So a burnout is something that we really need to watch out for. Also because we are perfectionists. So good is not good enough. We demand a high level of perfection, mainly from ourselves, to a certain degree also from other people, but we raise the bar very, very high for ourselves. And things that we would accept from somebody else, we will not accept from ourselves. And we are very good at talking ourselves down and berating ourselves and being very strict towards ourselves. And then we think we are somehow motivating ourselves, but that's not the case. And another thing that's really characteristic for a highly sensitive person is our sixth sense, our intuition. It is very well developed, especially if we let it. It might not be that way when you first discover this about yourself because our society is not focused on intuition and how to use it. But it doesn't mean that it's not there. We also have a very big empathy for other people. We can put ourselves in other people's shoes. We can also hear what they are not saying. We can read between the lines. And we have this this very big desire of wanting to help other people. And if we are not careful, 
then we forget to take care of our own needs in the process. Yeah. So many highly sensitive people, they burn out because of a combination of all those things. Mm. Wow. I'm like, as you are speaking, I'm going, okay, check, check, <laughs> check, 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 but not so much. It really is resonating with me in a very very big way, although I've never used the label of highly sensitive person, but I, I might be. One of the things, for example, that I do not, I thought, no, I can't. Me sitting in a very crowded sushi restaurant, for example, I can hear all of the noises and I'm very quick to observe what is happening in the background. Before you know it, I can see a child falling from there which is in my peripheral view. And people are going, how did you see that? It's basically behind you. And I'm like, I'm looking at it from all sorts of senses. Yeah. But it doesn't overwhelm me or it doesn't take me a very long time to recover from those things. But it might be that because I'm, or I know that I'm an ambivert and my extroverted side has created coping mechanisms to deal with that. So mm -hmm. it might be just that. I'm very intrigued to find out if I am a highly sensitive person. I'm not surprised because in speaking with you before we actually started to record, my initial thoughts were, oh, you are a highly sensitive person. It's just <laughs> something that I sensed. So you actually saying this, I think, yes, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really like, oh my God, check, 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 check. No, not so much. Check, check, check. I'm like, oh my God, I really need to look into this. So it's been educational for me up to this point. And one of the things that jog me in your introduction is you've helped thousands of highly sensitive people and what I found fascinating in how you introduced 20% of the world population is highly sensitive yes and not only humans but also in the animal kingdom wow because oh, I had no idea yeah. of that fact because that's a very large portion yes. of the world so for you in helping thousands of highly sensitive people what are some of the things that you have found are the biggest issues in a sense that if more people knew about this, we wouldn't have these issues. Well, many highly sensitive people don't know that they are highly sensitive. So uh, they are stuck in feeling like they don't belong or they are not utilizing their gifts. I am not a fan of labels. I am not a fan of boxes. So I don't feel labeled or boxed when I say I'm a highly sensitive person. But to me, finding out that I'm a highly sensitive person and then finding out what I like to call my highly sensitive user manual. So what does it mean for me specifically to be highly sensitive? How do I differ from the rest of the people? How can I make that bridge with the rest of the world? Because one in five people that you meet is a highly sensitive person. Yeah. And to put that even further in perspective, the amount of left-handed people is 11% of the world population. Oh, so really? sense, high sensitive. There are more high HSP people than yeah. left-handers. Much more common than even left-handed people. Wow. So what I see with them is that they have like an identity crisis of most of the time. You are fortunate because you seem to be very aware of who you are and what is important for you. But a lot of people that come to me are not. They have tried all of their life to be someone that they thought other people wanted them to be. 
They tried very hard to fit in. They wear different types of masks, a mask to go to work, a mask with your friends, a mask with your family. And it's draining them, keeping all those masks on and keeping them separated. And what I also often see is that they don't really know, and I did a, a podcast episode about this actually, they never knew what they wanted to be when they grew up. So they just rolled with the flow. They did a very broad education that allowed them to become a broad sense of things. And then they started working, usually the first job that actually wanted them and never really choosing, this is what I want to be, or that is what I want to be. And I think that is also our power that we are very good in a lot of things. So being an entrepreneur, I am able to combine all these things. I am both a coach, but I'm also an acupuncturist. I'm also an EFT practitioner. I have done Reiki. I've done soul body fusion and I can go on, but I will not confuse the listeners. (laughs) And that is my strength because when people come to me, I can just see what do you need? Which one of my hats do I put on to help you best? And what I see for highly sensitive people is that they are usually stuck in a life that doesn't give them joy, that doesn't give them fulfillment. And they end up wondering, is this really it? Is this really all there is to life? I should be happy. I have a loving partner. I have a nice house. I have a good job. I have a car. Maybe even have kids and a dog or something. So it appears that you have everything that you should want that should make you happy, but still you're not. And they feel ashamed of that. They feel like they cannot speak to people about it because most people will tell you, but you're fortunate. Look at everything you've got. And still there's just this nagging feeling inside of you. That's this unrest that's just not happy. And that's usually because they are not connected with their true passion Mm -hmm. or their calling, the thing that they are being put on this earth for to actually do. They just have a job because you need a job to pay the bills. And this job wanted me. And it's not really important if I want the job, I want the job because it pays my bills. And that makes you miserable because you have been asked to do something eight hours of every day, usually, that doesn't fuel you. It doesn't energize you. It doesn't make your heart sing. It doesn't make your eyes sparkle. It doesn't get your juices flowing. So you feel like there's a void, like there's something missing. And I think that is so interesting because your podcast is called 100% Yourself. And I think that's exactly what you're saying, right? That people don't feel 100% themselves. And I definitely have that experience. And when I was working in insurance, I was working full-time in insurance and I definitely wasn't fulfilled. But I also didn't know who I was myself. And that's when I actually got started, when I first launched my first podcast in 2014. And I started to interview founders of environmental tech company because I thought that was an interesting space to be in. And it really got me thinking about who I am, even though that wasn't my initial question. I just knew that I wasn't enjoying my work in my insurance job. But I think it's really fascinating that you say like, HSPs don't know who they are. They they haven't found their calling. It's because this world, this society targets brainy people. Yeah. It's all about learning facts and money and numbers and very blue people is what they call it. And we are 
yellow or green. We are creative. We like helping people. We do something with intuition, with feelings. And the world is not uh, catering to feelings and emotions and empathy. It's all about facts and numbers and the money game. And because four out of the five people that you meet are not like you, don't think like you, don't act like you, seem to fit in perfectly in what our society is, mainly HSPs start doubting themselves. Yeah. If they don't have parents that teach them that they are perfect the way they are and that they are wonderful and that they might be quirky, but that's wonderful too, then they start creating this person that they think will fit into this world. And that's where the problems start because you haven't learned that you're just wonderful and every person is unique. And even though you're sensitive, that's not a bad word. I had so many people come up to me saying, oh, because of your videos or because of your articles or because of your podcast, I now finally was able to get out of the closet. And usually that's a term reserved for people expressing that they are gay. Yeah. So to me, that signals how much of a taboo is on being sensitive. And that's especially true for men. You know, for women, it's generally sort of accepted that we are emotional. And when we are very emotional, they often say, oh, it must be that time of the month. <laughs> Not nice to hear, but it's sort of accepted. Yeah. But sensitive men... They don't find any connection with other men. They don't want to talk about beer or about cars or about women, big boobs, Formula One or those types of things because does that not interest them. So sensitive men often have female friends because there they can connect better than with other men. But also in our society, men get taught that they must be the strong one and they should not show emotion and they should be the caregiver for the family and the one that everybody can come to if they need support so there are so many what i call rules bullshit rules handed down from generation on generation on generation about the way things are supposed to be that it becomes very hard for the highly sensitive person who does not have a loving support system in the form of parents that teach them to be themselves to actually be themselves. Yeah, yeah. And I had to say, before you said brules, I was reminded of that term because it was coined by Vision, the CEO and founder of Mind Valley, and he uses that to describe the concept of rules that we have just adopted as a society or as a group of people to be truth, absolute truths. And because we've done that, we've just excluded anything else. Anything else is out of the ordinary, is a misfit, is a yeah. rebel, is someone that is weird, is out there, is just and should be ignored and excluded from the rest. But just like we created the rules, as Vision says, we can create new rules. And he's even a very big advocate of saying the world as we know it now is only going to be able to survive if we tap into human intuition, if we tap into sensitivity, if we tap yes. in in the beautiful traits of a highly sensitive person, because that is what the world needs more of than the brainy side, because that has gotten us to where we are today. And today is great, 
but the world also has its challenges in this moment in time. So I'm grateful to have you on our podcast because I think the more we can spread the message, the more we can make people aware of what is a highly sensitive person, whether you're listening to this right now and thinking, just like I did, check, 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 I recognize myself, good because you might not have been aware of and you're thinking why am i struggling this much you've got a starting point to research it just like i'm going to be doing so i know even more than i have known about myself but if you're not then you know that 20 percent of the world population is a highly sensitive person so that you know that one of your friends one of your family members is probably a highly sensitive person. So Barbara, I would like to take us back to sushi, if you do not mind, because now we know how you were introduced to sushi through all you can eat restaurants in Arnhem, in the Netherlands where you live. But what's your favorite? Well, that is a very difficult choice to make because I know (laughs) California Maki, for instance, but I'm also a big fan of spicy tuna or salmon with the flambéed cheese on top of it. Ooh! Flambéed cheese. Yes. Never had that one. It's amazing. That's a new one for me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's on the menu. Yeah, Ooh. it's on the menu in the Netherlands. Flambéed with cheese even. I love the spicy tuna. My favorite is also the California roll. So that's very, very interesting to see that we've got a, so a common common thread through all of our guests i think california row has been one of the favorites for a lot of people on this show yeah and we found out after about well we're on our way to launch over 30 episodes right now is that it is the starter sushi if it, you want to be so common isn't it i think it's because it's so popular it's so available in everywhere yeah yeah and it is the best way to start with sushi because there's not actual raw fish in a california roll yes yeah, I have so many friends that tell me, yeah, but I don't like fish. I said, sushi is so much more than fish. <laughs> if you don't like fish, you can still eat sushi. There are so many sushis out there that don't have fish in them. Yeah, I really love that. One of the questions that we're also interested in is if you, Barbara, were a sushi, what would the ingredients be? You can take your time. <laughs> this is a difficult question. Ooh, oh, I love that question. Ooh, I would be at least definitely spicy. <laughs> and I also would be something non-standard because, hey, I'm a weird alien, remember? So it must be something with a spicy tuna and then some seaweed, I think. Okay. And in a roll, in a hand roll, in a nigiri, in a maki, what was the... I think oh. I will be... More like a salad, a lot jumbled together, like a sushi salad. Oh, more of a poke bowl style sushi. I'm loving that. Yes, I cannot be confined. So a roll and a bag and all these other things, they just don't fit. (laughs) Very nice. I think I need to be mixed with more things and then you will see my uniqueness. (laughs) Oh, I love that. You're the very first person that has answered that question in the form of a salad bowl instead of a hand roll and nigiri. So it's really out of the box. I really love that. (laughs) (laughs) And if I were to ask you the question, because this one is you, your personality, and because we are very much interesting in giving our listeners the insight into the personality behind Sushi Adoring Entrepreneurs. 
if I were to ask you about your business, mm. if your business were a sushi, would it be a different sushi? No, not anymore because my business now is me. I am my business. And you can even see my title is Intuitive Ambitious Aliens for my website, you know. So I really created a business around myself that really reflects who I am. But that's something I had to learn because it wasn't that way when I started out seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. I really love that. Cool. What are some of the things that you, being an entrepreneur have discovered that have helped you on your entrepreneurial journey? I think the biggest thing that I discovered is that I need to be myself more. In the beginning, I was new to entrepreneurship and all of a sudden you are everything. You are the toilet girl, but you're also the director. You are the IT department. You are the sales department. You are the marketing department. You are the accountancy department. You are human resources, but you're also the one doing the actual work. So there's a lot coming at you when you start out as an entrepreneur. And obviously you're not perfect or good even in all of them. So it's a steep learning curve. And I always say, if you want to really get to know yourself, become an entrepreneur because you will dive in deep. And when I was learning how to do marketing and sales, for instance, I kept learning what I now call tricks like funnels or do this, do that. And, and those are tricks that work right or really well for the person that is teaching them, but they didn't work for me. So there was a period when I was really frustrated because I was doing everything the way they were teaching me. And when they were looking with me, they say, you're doing everything right. But still, I had no clients. Hmm. So I had the funnel, I had the free giveaway, I had the, the sales page, I had the converting content and still no clients came. And I had the sales script for my goals, but yeah, even though sometimes I had someone, then you're so insecure about that call because you need to follow a script. And then when somebody that you're talking to says something that's not a part of the script, you're like, oh Lord, oh Lord, what now? And, I, and you're trying not to show it, but they feel it. So it was a mess. And this is also part of what I now teach to, to highly sensitive entrepreneurs is to discover what are your talents, what are your unique gifts, and then to use that within your marketing because intuition is an awesome tool to use with both within your marketing and in your sales. So that was the biggest discovery I made that even though things work for other people, they don't have to work for yourself. And that's closely related to the grass looks always greener with your neighbors, but your neighbors are just completely different people. And if your neighbor is not a highly sensitive person and you are, then what makes the grass so green for your neighbor will wither your grass. So it's all about discovering gifts and then leveraging them within your business to attract the right type of people and the right type of clients to you. Well, I think that's really important message there. So, you know, for entrepreneurs that are listening and they might think that they might be HSPs, like what are some of the, you know, like you mentioned the, you know, the funnels, the sales conversations that people have. Some of the reason that I personally found is that there's a lot more than just what's being taught by the guru that's teaching it. And what do you think most entrepreneurs who are HSPs and entrepreneurs, like what are they missing when they realize that it's not working for them? I think faith and trust in themselves. 
I often see them struggling with things like focus and concentration, and then they are trying to plan a year and then break that year up into half a year, and that half a year into three months, and then those three months into monthly goals, and those monthly goals into weekly goals, and then you drown in all your goals. And what then happens is we are perfectionists. So you've brought it down to weekly and then daily goals so you know this is what i need to do on monday and this is what i need to do on tuesday and this is what i need to do on wednesday and so on and then when you are energetically drained for instance then you cannot make yourself do what you were supposed to do on monday because it doesn't work and then you feel bad you berate yourself because well eh, you made the plan and you made the goals and now you're not doing them you're not sticking to them so now you have a problem on tuesday because you didn't do what you were supposed to do on monday so on tuesday you already begin stressed and then you don't know should i do what i should have done yesterday or should i start today and if i start today with the things for today then what do i do with the things for yesterday <laughs> and you feel all this tension and building and then that messes also with your focus and your concentration. And I'm not surprised that many of them just drown in this endless ocean of tasks and goals and also fighting with who they are and their energy. Because it's, as a highly sensitive person, there are days when you wake up and you're just having a blah day and nothing comes out of you. And I used to fight with that because I'm a perfectionist. I made goals, so I need to do something. And now I've learned that I make sort of high level goals. So I am about to launch a workshop, for instance, in, in a couple of weeks. So I know that that is a date. I know what needs to happen. And then I just put it out into the universe, guide me and let me take inspired action every day to get me to that goal. And then some days I have so much inspiration that I take so many actions that even if I feel low in energy the next day or even the rest of the day, then it's still good. And sometimes it's also the other way around. I am lacking of energy on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday, but Friday and Saturday and Sunday, I'm full speed ahead and I do everything that I want to do. Yeah. And I've learned to trust in that process, to trust in my intuition, to trust that there will always be a moment when I do what I am supposed to do as long as I align myself with where I want to be. And I align myself with that daily. I have a very elaborate self-care regimen in the morning, which consists among other things of meditation and journaling and going into nature and connecting with universe, source energy, God, or whatever name you want to call the higher being that guides us. And I think that is an important thing to learn. But that starts with learning everything about your intuition and learning to trust in it. Yeah. I'm really resonating with that because one of the things that I found very confining is a couple of years ago of years ago is uh, what you're going to be in five years from now. What's your goal? Yes. Five year goals. Every time that question was asked, I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to be in five years. I make so many turns and tosses and passions and replace things. I, I could be exactly the same place or I could be on a totally different planet in five years. I don't know. I and they will look at me weird question. and think, but you, you need a five-year plan. I'm like, I'm not going to tell myself five years from now. It's one of the reasons why I teach people not to do time management, but to do energy management. 
Yes, exactly. That's what Let I get rid of time because that is a man-made construct. Manage your energy because I can do in two hours what most people can do in a day mm-hmm. if I'm in the zone. Yes. If I can get in that period of time in two hours, I will get so much done that yes. most people think, Oh my God, that would take me a whole day. That's one. Number two is I just did an online course. I created one about how to create your inspired action plan where I teach entrepreneurs goal setting, but from an energy perspective, from make sure that you have a direction because goals are really important to get you focused and direction, but don't pin yourself down to, okay, what am I going to do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so I can Friday, I can, which some people will work perfectly because if they don't know, they won't do anything. But for people like me, just tell me where I need to be in 30 days from now and I will get there. Don't ask me how. I don't know at this moment in time, but I will get in 30 days. It's the same with this podcast. We wanted to batch record all of the episodes. Okay. That means I need to fill my schedule with people and interviews, recordings. And ideally, I want to have all my recordings done for the rest of the year. And I take inspired action. I didn't do a lot of work. I didn't work hard. I just thought, okay, what's the most effective strategy that I can use? Use that. And as of today, there are three more slots. That's it. The rest is full and we can start 2021. But I didn't work hard. I didn't do anything every day. I took two or three actions in a two-week period. That's it. They are inspired and you just let yourself be led. Then that's the most important thing. And that's actually the same with what we talked about with the multi-potentialites, you know? And it's also the same in business. They say you need to do one thing and you need to focus on one niche and you need to be really clear. And there are a lot of entrepreneurs for whom that works really well. But if you don't feel that it works for you, then just have the guts to go with how it does feel for you and how you feel that it needs to work for you. Even if that means that you do multiple things and are multiple people in the same person combined. And even if that means that they told me you need to choose, are you coaching men or are you coaching women? And I thought I'm coaching highly sensitive people. It can be both. (laughs) But also empaths. And intuitives and star seeds and light workers and dark workers and whatever people want to call themselves. But as long as you recognize yourself and what I'm saying and the things that I'm teaching, then you're my person. <laughs> and it doesn't really matter if you're 18 or 60 or anything in between. Oh my God, I really love that. So Barbara, as we wrap up, because I'm sure we can keep on talking. Yes. <laughs> um, and most definitely. If you had to choose your most important message to our listeners in this moment in time? That would be to get to know your specific user manual really well. Get to know what gives you energy, what drains your energy, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what are your pitfalls, what are your high points, what are you good at, what could you better outsource, what do you love doing, what do you need to stay away from, because people can teach you, oh, video is in right now, you need to start doing video, show your face to the world, but if you are an introverted, highly sensitive person, you think, oh oh my lord, no, do I really have to, and then you start dragging your feet, and you start postponing and then you do the whole berating yourself stuff and you feel like shit and it's not going to amount to anything so if you know that you are like that then you know you need to stay away from advice like that 
But if you are an introvert, but you're really good at talking, for instance, then you can do a podcast because nobody will see your face. You can record whenever you want to, in your pajama, um, on the couch, in your bed, it doesn't really matter, and share your message like that. So it starts with really, really getting to know yourself and your user manual. That is, I think, the most important thing I can give people that are listening today. You you you. touch upon something that I want to ask. I know you have your HSP TV channel on YouTube and then you've got your podcast 100% yourself. What's your sort of preference? And like, you know, you mentioned like some people are better at YouTube or videos. And then if you're feeling too, you know, overwhelmed, maybe podcasting is the thing. You know, what's been your experience doing both? Well, I am both an extrovert and introvert, ambivert, I switch between. So I have all my life hated my picture taking. So being put on a photo was horrible for me. So when video came, I just thought, oh my Lord, I already hate my picture being taken. I cannot do this video shit. I cannot do it. But then all of a sudden, my first video, I did no makeup in my bikini at the beach, just with my cell phone, because all of a sudden I felt this is what I want to share. That was how I replenish my energy, being on a beach by myself with nice food, nice drinks, my book, and just sun, water, and sand. And I wanted to show that to the people because I thought it was valuable. And that's how I started. And then I also discovered that I really like making videos and I like talking and I like explaining, but that's when I am more in my extroverted persona part. And sometimes that all becomes too much and then I don't want to make videos and then I create more podcasts because then I can do that without makeup. I can also do videos without makeup. I've lost that shame, but sometimes, you know, I just want to talk. I just want to talk and then I record a podcast. So it's all about feeling what is right for you. And in my case, both are right for me, but not all of the time, always. I love that. I can totally relate to that. And I think it's always a journey, isn't it? When you try it out, you learn more about yourself. Yes, definitely. So, you know, if you feel like you want to try video, then just try video. Try recording yourself with your mobile. You know, mobiles are so great nowadays and just see what will happen. And I posted it on YouTube, no, on Facebook for the first time. And so many people, friends and family that were connected with me said, oh, that's so you. That is so you. You are so you in that video. I loved it. And then you feel like, oh, people like it. Oh. (laughs) that's nice and you get more confident and then it grows from there and you know it doesn't have to be professional it doesn't have to have music and a professional intro and a professional outro you know it's about people getting to know you and then the real you without your masks without everything that blurs the real you it's just honest heart talk and showing who you are and it doesn't have to be perfect you can make as many mistakes as you want to as long as it's real yeah that's really cool so one last question so i know you mentioned earlier that you have a program that you're launching in september 
I know yes. m- maybe when this episode launches, it's already out, but could you give us a bit more about that? Like, what are you launching and tell us more about that? Definitely, and thank you for asking. And, you know, I am launching what I, my online program called Just High Sensitive Business. It's a year program, and in that year, the first six months are all about getting to know your sensitive user manual. Everything that comes with it, it's about appeasing your perfectionist, it's about unleashing your awesome, it's about transforming your beliefs, it's about finding your passion and it's about energy management and your core strength and standing within your power that's the first thing because then you lay a foundation a strong foundation for your company but also for your life so the first six months are also beneficial for people who are not an entrepreneur and then the last six months are all about finding your unique talents and your unique gifts and how to leverage them within your company to be more successful, to create a soulful, profitable business that really fits all your needs to a T and that gives you that freedom and that joy and that pleasure that you are searching for because that's what I think the reason why you become an entrepreneur. And I am launching it for the first time this September, but it will come back every eight times a year. And the self-study version, you can always enter the whole year round. And even the plus version where you get bi-weekly group coaching, you can also start a whole year round. It's just the VIP part when you are really serious and really want to take your life into your hands and have as much alone time with me as possible. That's the thing that I launch every, well, Two months, I think, eight times a year, one and a half months, something. And I launch it with a workshop that's called Roadmap to Living a Life You Love. And in that, you are going to find your authentic self, unlock your life, create a connection with your passion, with your soul's purpose, and then learn how you can leverage that into creating a soulful, profitable business. Awesome. Awesome. So for the listeners who are listening, how do we connect with you if we want to reach out to you? That's also the best way. a good question. I have my website. It's called www.hspcoachbarbara.com. And then Barbara is with an E. So B-A-R-B-E-R-A. And I'm also on all social medias under HSP Coach Barbara. And it's the same for my YouTube channel. And also my podcast is on Anchor under HSP Coach Barbara. So that's where you will, uh, will find me. And if you're listening to this thinking, oh, that went really fast, we will make sure that we will add all of those links to the description of this episode. Awesome. (laughs) So thank you for listening to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. We would like to know what has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation. Do take a moment and share it with us in our Facebook group, the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. You'll find the link in the description of this episode. If you know someone who will benefit from listening to this episode, please do share it with them. And we'll see you in the next episode. Barbara, thank you again. Have fun and see you on the next one. Thank you, Lubna Moon, for having me. Bye.